Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and the co-author of Tarot for Troubled Times. I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 151 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is diving into dust to onyx. And my special guest is Courtney Alexander. Hello, Courtney. Sorry, <laughs> I had the phone on mute. Um, hello, thank you again for having me back. I'm so excited. Well, we had to have you. We had to have you back here on Tarot Bites because you have built an amazing fan base with your Dust to Onyx Tarot deck. I love it. Uh, I'm excited to get that travel size version, as you know, and I know it's coming out soon. And anyhow, some of my listeners uh, wrote to me and they said we want Courtney Alexander back on Tarot Bites because they love your deck and they want guidance on how to work with it deeper. So here we are. And uh, like I said, I'm a huge fan of the deck too, and I cannot wait for that baby deck. But anyhow, what I want to begin talking about is invocation. Now you mentioned at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the companion book uh, about writing to your ancestors, your guides, your, your spiritual court angels, higher deities, and you know, all of that. Can you talk more about this as in why someone might want to do an invocation before reading with your deck and any tips about creating an invocation? Um, Invocations are really important because, you know, when we're going into this space, um, you know, we are opening up our channels, right? And so it's like, you know, when you when you open up your, your, your doors, right. It's like putting a screen door there, right. Like you just want to kind of create an extra barrier for particular, only particular energies to be able to um, come through. And so being in the practice of um, being very intentional about who and what you're invoking is paramount to, you know, um, your spiritual journey, whether you're doing a reading, whether you're doing um, spiritual work or anything, of the sort because once those channels are open there are energies there are energies just waiting for a beacon right a beacon of light in terms and i'm not saying like oh like light and goodness but just literally just an opening to be heard and so when you're doing readings i believe that certain energies whether it's just spirits roaming around whether there are actual entities that have their own intentions can kind of project themselves into reading and so you want to make sure that you're very, very clear on who you're communicating with. And I also think it's just a point of reverence. You know, it's a, it's a respect. It's like, you know, think about you as a person. Like when someone comes up to you asking a question, you expect a proper greeting. You expect acknowledgement and respect. And so anytime I do a reading for myself or others, I make sure that I not only acknowledge my own ancestors and everything, I make sure that I, I acknowledge their spiritual court. And I ask our, our both of our um, courts to kind of work together for this, this mutual intention of what, for you know, in the reading for whatever purpose it's there for. I love that. You know, sometimes when I'm teaching yoga too, well, actually, every time I, I teach yoga, we always have some sort of a little invocation, a little intention setting. So that's a really great idea with a deck. I love it. Um, you know, also you wrote in the introduction under the ancestors, you said, I often say that this deck has its own agenda. Can you talk about that more? I found that fascinating. So, yeah, like when I was working on, on Dust the Onyx, 
it definitely kind of took it life uh, took a life of its own. Um, when I say that it was being birthed, it really was. There was a lot of channeling that I experienced through the artwork. You know, physically, I felt it. I I felt the pressure. I felt the headaches. I felt the physical effects of all of that channeling work. So it real and and the cards themselves. You know, no matter what intention or thought that I started with, it always ended up being different, but what exactly what it needed to be. So um, I believe that what does like does the onyx is its own energy and its own spirit within itself. And it has an intention and it and it, you know, will the relationship that people have will vary, but it is definitely not a work that is empty or void of of energy of its own um i I think that's like (laughs) the best way to put it in a nutshell i can agree with that because i'm somebody who's very um you know tuned into how things feel and you know i have the deck right here and the deck does feel different not because of the size and the paper quality which by the way for anybody who doesn't have this deck i'm all about that as a tarot reader i mean that's great but there is something about this deck that just feels very different you know, when you hold it, it feels, um, I don't know if I have the right word for it, but it feels like this is something almost really ancient and that so, that it must be treated with reverence, that you just don't want to shuffle the heck out of it and anything of that. Uh, you know, you don't want to be um, too hardcore with it. You really want to treat this as a sacred tool that it is. That's really the vibe that comes off when I handle this deck. Yeah. And that's what it feels like when I started to understand the energy and like the intentions and stuff. And I began to think of it as like this, you know, if this otherworldly ancient civilization, um, you know, left us something and we stumbled upon it, what would that look and feel like? You know, some mm-hmm. something or a culture or people that you know, possess so much wisdom, magic, and knowledge that they wanted to leave a piece of it for us to experience and start to help understand ourselves. And so, like, yeah, that's exactly what it does feel like. And even for me as the creator and everything, like, I don't work with my own deck a lot in terms of, like, you know, when it comes to mundane things. Every now, like, I, I when I work with it, I know that I'm ready to to really get into some deep stuff because even if I try to do a surface level reading on like a superficial mundane issue they're never going to just like hit you with a simple answer they're always going their their job is to dig and pull things like that that's what the deck that's the energy of the deck it wants to pull things out of you and so I mean that's good but it can also be very intense and that's why there has to be a lot of um, understanding about your own intent and purpose and working with it for that very reason, you know? So yeah, I completely understand why people, every, a lot of people have told me that like it took them months to open their deck, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they felt like they had to be ready. I think that's really interesting. You know, when I, when I first got the deck, I had to take my time with it. I didn't take my time to really look at the images and feel how the deck felt in my hands. Again, it doesn't feel like a regular deck. It really feels like this is something um, deeper. And the other thing that it feels like too, which again, for anyone who has a deck, they might understand it. It feels like you're going to the source. You're going to the source mm-hmm. of something. You're going to a root with this deck. So it has that feeling that again, it has to be treated with great reverence because this is not 
just some standard thing. There is more going on here. Now, one of the things that you say also that when someone buys a deck, you recommend that they develop a bond with it. So what are some of your ideas about, I mean, you mentioned in your book about interviewing the deck. What are, what are your ways of bonding with the deck? So interviewing is definitely important just to kind of get a very clear, direct answer on what your relationship is. And that's a relationship that develops over time. Like, for example, like if you're, you know, ideally, if you're like in whatever close relationship you have, right, you do these check-ins and you're like, okay, how, how's everything going? Like how, like being very intentional about understanding how the purpose and the guidance and the, um, you know, things are changing. So you're always very clear about your relationship. Um, so, you know, the interview process with the deck is something that can always be returned to, especially if you start noticing a shift and how your readings are coming out, you know, it's, it's always good to check in and be like, all right, you know, where, where are we now with what, what the purpose of my readings, you know, are for me or for my clients. Um, and of course I know a lot of people recommend sleeping, um, with decks and, like I, for me, when I bond with decks and everything, I just carry them. I just immerse them in my energy, even if I don't read with them for months. Just continuing to keep them on me in my per, um, purse or my backpack, um, you know, just t- like it, it creates that that bond and that ownership, mm-hmm. and constantly having that ener- that energy with me. So that that's the way personally I bond with decks. Of course, the more you work with a deck regularly. Um, and I will say that I am guilty of not being a person who works with my decks daily. Like I know everyone, you know, says, you know, journaling one daily card pulls and stuff. I, I truly believe that they are great ways to bond, but I, I suck at routines. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I often don't do that. And so for me, I think that's why it's easier for me to create a bond through just having it on me. Mm-hmm. Instead of constantly, um, you know, referring to it, and so my my relationship with Dex just kind of developed intuitively over time, just through the readings I do for myself or others, or just sitting with it. Sometimes even just sitting and shuffling, even if you're not doing a reading, um, is a is a great way to create um, a connection right as well. So. Well, I like the idea of carrying things with you because think about it when we wear jewelry every day, right? Um, somebody else might hold that jewelry later and they can feel our vibe. So, I mean, you really mm-hmm. do imbue things with your energy when you carry it with you. So that's a very um, wise way of making and an easy way of making a bond with your deck. You know, you also mentioned ritual in the companion book. And I think, you know, the very act of shuffling a deck is a ritual in itself. How have people mm-hmm. shared some of the rituals that they've established with Dust to Onyx with you? If people have any rituals that they've shared? Um, I, I can't think of anything directly off top. I know like for a lot of people, ritual is very sacred. And so I understand mm-hmm. if everyone doesn't share what they do. Um, but it, I, I mean, just sharing my own for me, like my thing is once I shuffle three times, the reading is on. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's my my number you know I'll I'll do like the regular you know toss type of shuffle or you know if it's depending on the type of cards I might even wash the cards and for those who don't know what washing is that's like when you spread them out and you move them around and you bring them back together um but when I do the um 
I'll, I call it the dealer shuffle, but you know, where you just like, um, what's, what's that term? What's, what's the technical term? But you know what I'm saying? Take the two decks and you just like fan them together. Yeah. Like a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you, when I, I do that sort of shuffle three times mm-hmm. and that's, that's like, that's my, you know, that's always my ritual. Once I do that, then I'm ready to cut the deck if I feel led to and go into the reading. So there's, I see the thing with ritual is consistency. So, you know, even if you toss your cards up in the air one by one and back kick them into the, into a spread, you know, if you, you know, if you have the consistency to do it every time, then, you know, that, that is ritual, no matter what that looks like, because I see, you know, that ritual and that consistency, that, that is a signal. Right. Um, yeah. I always cut that. Yeah. I, I always cut the deck into three piles with my left hand mm-hmm. and then always put it back together, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like stacking them a certain way. So that's, that's always the way I've done it for the 40 something years I've been reading cards. So yeah, I totally see that. Yeah. For me, when it comes to cutting, like my, like I, I cut kind of odd, like, when I'm cutting, like I get a, a tingly feeling, like there's a feeling when I, 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 um, when I separate the deck into different piles and sometimes I'll take out the piles and then I'll break down those piles or some things might be rearranged or, or however, um, you know, is, is that the, that the cutting process is usually kind of different. Every reading mm-hmm. for me is, is the three shuffles. That's the most consistent part of that the reading preparation i always find it so interesting how people do their thing with the the shuffling and the cutting you know i want to move on to talking about this one card in the deck the black onyx card it's a card called the black onyx it's also numbered zero just like the emerging one the emerging one for people who are not familiar with courtney's deck that would be like the fool in a traditional tarot deck so why do you have two cards with the number zero i was like what come on i i want to understand this so the numbers, I mean, the, the Onyx card itself is like, for those who don't have the deck, it's a high gloss, completely black card. Mm-hmm. Um, and I intended it to to kind of mimic um, black obsidian, like a mirror. It feels so, like that. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's a part of its intention is to be a scrying card. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, thank God that turned, because that was the risk. I did not know how that card was going to turn out. So <laughs> I thankfully it does. Um, <laughs> it does look like a black mirror is very reflective. Yeah, it um, absolutely and, does. And so, um, you know, I, I wanted it to be a zero card because like it is, it is the point of darkness before the fool emerges. It's right. The, there, there is an entry point and the fool, the emerging one is already out, mm-hmm. but there is, the the point of entry into into different realms there like let's let's just say like we're we're talking about source and darkness or whatever in between central state there is before our our spirits or you know whatever there's like a core that we travel through going wherever we're, we're going on our soul's journey or astrally there has to be this like just point of nothingness or I won't even say nothingness because I believe this wholeness is where everything comes together to the point of non-distinction. And so, you know, the blackness and the darkness of that card, like it's important that it's also zero. And so um, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say it's kind of like the the dark moon before the new moon. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, it's that's that is um, it's everything. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's the power of it being a scrying card because since everything is merged into like black black as a color and color theory, black is the mer- the emergence of all colors. Right. And so when you're scrying, it, it is the point, you know, you are kind of sifting through all of this mm-hmm. information that's not apparent in this more flat world that you're consciously living in. It's a portal. And so it allows you to kind of see these pictures and these things moving around in this particular space and pulling that out into your reading. Yeah. And I, I've got I just pulled the card out of the deck. It, it is so cool. And it is so I mean, when you talk about, again, like I said, the Black Obsidian, you really captured that vibe with this. So this is really amazing. You know, I think everybody has their favorite cards in a deck. And for me, uh, speaking of the emerging one, I love the emerging one. I love the moon. That's probably my favorite card. And I also love your Ten of Gourds in this deck. You know, if people are drawn to certain cards, can that hold meaning for them? Oh, absolutely. I think that we are um, drawn to certain cards because we either relate to them or their energies that we um, want to to draw into our lives. Like for me, I relate, I I feel drawn to um, Mama Gord. Mm -hmm. That, that that is a card that draws, draws me a lot. And, you know, the, she, um, that card has the, eyes of Nikki Giovanni in the face of Missy Elliott mm. and you know I was especially a huge 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 Missy Elliott fan growing up um and so I think that for me personally I'm drawn to Mama Gord because I, I lack a lot of even astrologically I don't have a lot of water the only things I have in my chart in water are Pluto and Scorpio and Jupiter and Pisces mm-hmm. so you know, there are, I'm, I'm a very, very, very mental person, but yet deep inside me is this, this intensity. And I think that one of the few outlets that I've really been able to display some sort of intensity in a safe way is through my artwork, because otherwise my interpersonal relationships, I feel challenged in terms mm-hmm. of expressing my feelings or feeling safe to. And so Mama Gord is this energy that is kind of deeply emotional and feeling and creative and spiritual is an energy that I am attracted to and want to feel and experience more of. So it's not a surprise that I'm attracted to to her energy as well as Mama Staff as well. You know, my my North Node is in Aries. And so like, you know, I'm called to kind of have a lot of will and fire to live and create the life that I want for myself and to take a lot of deep responsibility for my own individuality. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, that's, that's just been my, my own personal experience in regards to the cards that really, really speak to me. And of course, like the, the Empress uh, or not, I'm sorry, not, well, the Empress in my deck is Queen Mother. Mm-hmm. And no, I know some people wonder if that card is me. No, she's not me. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> my my birth my birth card in tarot is is um, the Empress. Mm-hmm. So you know, and my my life path number is three. Mm-hmm. So even without all of that, like I mean, it, it, there's that synchronicity. And even when I first got into tarot, that was the card that I knew that I would be. With, um, that I have always had like a relationship with in one way or another. So I think that the cards that stand out to us really kind of 
draw on those aspects of ourselves that we that we want to emphasize or bring more into our lives. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you about the chief. Okay, now the chief looks like Grace Jones, and of course, I'm a lot older than you. Um, Missy Elliott's fabulous, but when I was growing up, Grace Jones was one of my idols, and she still is like my ideal of what cool means. You know, she was so fierce. She was so different. So back in the day when, you know, I was <laughs> a young whippersnapper, I just remember being so fascinated with her. And I've, I've never lost my fascination with Grace Jones. I think she's fabulous. Is that your inspiration for the chief? Oh, absolutely. Um, Grace Jones, that the chief card was the second card. Mm-hmm. So after the first card that I created was the death card. And that was very personal because, um, you know, not getting deep into it. Um, but like at the time I've told this story about how I was going through a deep, um, personal, like spiritual, like awakening or, or like process, there was this deep process I was going through and there was like a lot of anxiety, a lot of deep paranoia. I was afraid that something that I was going to die soon. There was like, a lot of anxiety and so I kind of created the death card to to face that fear um and then the next card was the chief because then I started thinking more seriously about the deck and like what energy represented the like what what represented what I wanted to bring into the cards and I thought of Grace Jones because Grace Jones is everything mm-hmm. like there's there's um a ownership of her wholeness that she fearlessly takes like there is no box that you can put grace jones in you know and when i thought you know creating a deck you know um that was like a love offering to the black diaspora and creating something that i felt everybody could see themselves in like grace jones represented that in a in a lot of ways to me and so she you know i i kind of called on that energy to kind of initiate the rest of my deck creating process. Well, she's like 70 years old right now and she's still kicking ass. You know, she's like still killing it. And so um, I love having, you know, women um, in my age group or older who are, who are really out there and they are setting a bold example that, you know, you can be getting older, but you can still be this really fierce, wise leader. And, you know, she just blows me away time and time again. So I just saw her on, she was on some sort of a fashion runway, I think. And she was like dancing. And I'm like, I mean, you just, when you see Grace Jones, you're mesmerized. So the chief as Grace Jones makes so much sense. And, you know, it's interesting that you talked about your lack of water. Um, I have like a lack of fire in my chart. And the chief, you know, is associated with Aries, which is all fire. And I'm always drawn to fiery people. And so no surprise also that I would be drawn to that card, not just for the Grace Jones part. So I want to finish off also uh, by talking, you've got a couple of spreads in your book. And the one spread Mm -hmm. that you have, the Dust to Onyx spread, it's really useful. You know, this is a practical spread that anybody can use for anything that they are dealing with or going through. Um, And you know, so I, I just recently did a spread because I found I'm taking on too many projects, which is my Gemini problem. And I have to laugh because the final card, which is um, position F, it's mastery. It says, what is the overall lesson of us master at this time? And I pulled the five of staffs and I just had to laugh. 
I had to laugh at him like, this deck is so literal. So the cards I pulled, you know, for people who are listening. So position A was my root issue. What is the state of my current foundation? I pulled the nine of coins, you know, which always mm-hmm. is a feeling of abundance. And so in a way I looked at it like, okay, you've got too many projects going on, but maybe in a way you're planting seeds and the seeds are growing and they're flourishing and it's leading to more options. So for B, it's physical. What can I do to increase my strength and promote healing? And I pulled the shaman, which I found very interesting because, you know, that's got such a magical vibe to it. But also when I look at that card, I think of willpower, directing energy in the positive, productive way. Yeah. And position C, mental, what thought forms do I need to be aware of to improve my understanding and communication? And I pulled the seven of coins. Well, you know, the seven of coins also like that five of staffs makes me think, oh my God, you know, I've got to weed some of this stuff out. There's nothing wrong with planting seeds, but what the heck am I doing here? You know, maybe I have, um, I call it idea diarrhea, too many ideas and it's got to be weeded out. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Relatable. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, so creative people, we do that. And so for D now I have to like say, I was pleased. I pulled the chief. You know, that's emotional. What motions do I need to mm-hmm. release to improve my self-confidence and self-empowerment? And I'm still kind of thinking about that one. So I don't have my total interpretation for that. Uh, I was just thrilled to see, you know, Grace Jones and see that. And I think a lot of this is coming down to, you know, discipline, not overdoing. I mean, it's like the, it's like those cards are really saying, okay, we are doing too much. And it's, it's so obvious, especially by the last card. But position E is spiritual. What spiritual truths are being called to my awareness at this time? And I pulled the two of staffs. You know, what spiritual truths are being called to my awareness? So, you know, both that and the, and the chief are things I'm thinking about. But I want to come back to that last card again for mastery. What is the overall lesson of his master at this time? The five of staffs, like I said, I really, I had to laugh when I read it. I'm like, this deck is so deep, but it also surprises you because it can get in your face. And I think that this spread, while I'm still contemplating some of the positions, it really was sending the message about, again, idea diarrhea, too much going on. I've got to figure out my priorities. And I think that really was the bottom line here. Do you have anything to add about this spread? Not my interpretations of mine, but this spread on how people might want to use this one in particular. Yeah, I think this, like you said, this spread is just like a really good all-purpose spread because it it gets to the core of what's going on on every level. Um, because I think sometimes we can get into mired in the details of a particular thing. So, for example, like if you're trying to understand a particular relationship issue or relationship in general, we can get so caught up in like doing spreads, like how do they feel about me? How do I feel about them? And blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, this is all about you, right? Your experiences, what you're living, what you're needing to see, this is about you. And so this, this spread brings it back mm-hmm. and, and helps us to evaluate like what is really going on and affecting me right now? What do I need to know? for my lessons and what can I do actionable things that I can do and understand to, to um, move forward on my path. And it keeps us focused on what we can control instead of like, you know, again, being on, cause I, and I'm 
I'm guilty of this all the time, wanting more and more and more information. I need to understand this thing mm-hmm. more. I need to know more about this person. I need to find out the details of this situation. I need to dig, dig, dig and get these external things, you know, when it just really comes back to what we are. It, it brings us back to the moment. What is in this moment, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I'm like you that way because I'm a, I'm a Gemini. I'm nosy as hell. I always want to get down to all the dirty details. And it's like, do I really need to get all the details? No, let's get the bottom line here. Let's stop messing around. And, you know, the, again, mm-hmm. with this particular spread, there's a real message here for me about discipline and weeding things out. And, you know, when you really get down to the bottom line like that, the bare bones, whatever you want to call it, um, that message came through loud and clear. And I think that the spread does do that it delivers messages loud and clear and in your face so i think it's really useful so the last thing i want to say is when is this baby deck coming out you know that i need i love those mini decks i love carrying a deck with me at all times when is the dust to onyx travel edition available so they are literally um on their way to me now so they will be available like the first week of november um, so I'll, I'll be at a workshop. And so as soon as I get back, like I'll be shipping around like the second week of November. So they're currently on pre-order for $50. Um, after that, they'll retail at 65. Um, they come with a, a, a smaller keyword booklet instead of the full guidebook, but you do get like a, um, a copy, a PDF of the full guidebook. Cause it's still important that people have access to the full interpretation um, and so this, you know, mini deck was definitely for the travel friendly for those of you with, with small hands <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and for those of you who've wanted dust onics for a long time, but found the, the price point for the full edition, um, you know, higher than you can afford. So, you know, it, it takes care of, a a lot of the things that I've heard, just, you know, just listening to people over the past couple of years, the, the different, um, issues and everything. So I've, I hope that I've addressed this, you know, well with this travel edition, I had like a sample box and I always order, have them ship me like one box ahead of the full shipment, just so I have a chance to inspect and really see everything. And they're, they're just, you know, they're still, the details in the cards are still as vibrant and beautiful as the larger cards, which I, that, that was something I was concerned about. Like, you know, was it going to be harder to see or anything like that? But nope, they are still you know, really beautifully printed. The only thing that I don't have on them is the spot gloss. So on the larger cars, there's these like shiny, um, like the, for example, on the gourds, like all of the water in the gourds have like a shiny spot gloss on it that, that contrasts against the matte surface and everything, because I was, you know, wanting to kind of mimic mixed media and that very like textured feel of mixed media. So I did take that off of this to just because um, just as far as the print process, once things get smaller, it's hard to kind of keep that sort of consistency. And plus it does help with shuffling and keeping the car smooth and gliding mm-hmm. and all of those things. So, but otherwise all of the artwork is the same still have the pretty gold edges and the um gold text and everything um the you know I, I worked hard on the packaging so it's the packaging everything is still well done still beautiful so I don't want people to think by any means that this is necessarily a cheap version right <laughs> a right. cheap version of Dusta Onyx you know 
So no, it's still it's still great quality, even in the, the smaller edition. It's it's just more convenient and affordable. Well, I believe you. That's going to be great quality because the quality for Dust to Onyx, the original deck, is really amazing. So I'm really anticipating this. And you know, I love that you listened to what your fans wanted, uh, because you know. Our fans, when they're letting us know they want something, sometimes they have some really good points. And I'm also somebody with small hands, so I enjoy those mini decks because they really shuffle well in my hands, even though, uh, frankly, Dust to Onyx is still a really great size. It's not unwieldy at all. I have no trouble shuffling that. But I can't wait for that little baby deck, so yay. And for people who are listening... By the time this podcast episode is out, the travel edition may already be out. Um, so you definitely want to get to Courtney's site, get a copy of that, or get Dust to Onyx, or get greedy like me, get both, you know, because you might find that you want one deck that you use, you know, maybe for personal use, you maybe want one deck that you take on the road with you. You know, you're going to find that sometimes having more than one copy of a deck really allows you to work with it in different circumstances too. So, Courtney, I want to thank you so much for coming and talking about the Dust to Onyx deck and sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'm sorry, I just I, I just wanted to add one thing before I forget, but I am developing a Dust to Onyx beginner's course. It's called Dust to Onyx into the Foyer. Ooh. When is that and gonna begin? So, so I'm still in the process of um, writing, but my goal is to have it launched in November. And so it launches alongside the distribution of the pre-orders. Um, and so for, so people will be able to get their deck and go ahead and sign up for this course. And so um, the Sonics into the foyer is first, it's going to be the first course of, you know, uh, of a series that takes people through tarot but from a evolutionary perspective mm-hmm. so I really thought a lot about um you know tarot courses that are available and and what's already out there and I didn't want people to feel like I was kind of regurgitating what information is already freely available mm-hmm. um um and so I think and, and plus that's the onyx itself is just like it really is great for like personal evolution and it's great for um, those of you who are even working with clients that you're doing deeper, cons- like, um, rep- consistent work with in that way, because that's what it pushes you to do. And so I'm, I'm taking things through, I'm teaching it more through particular themes that help you understand the cars rather than taking it through like suit by suit. Right um, on. And so taking it through the, the, the journey of the soul. In the, in the spirit rather rather than like I said through the story of the traditional rider weight system well, and so people, that's going to be like a beginner's course right on. and for people who've been listening into the podcast and who've requested that they wanted you on here because they want to go deeper with dust to onyx well this is great to know so if you are listening you guys get to the course, take the course. If you want to go deeper and really get into Dust to Onyx and uncover all the layers that are there in this very simple, rich deck. Well, I think, Courtney, I think it's wonderful that you're offering that for people because they're requesting you. So obviously they want this information and um, this is going to be awesome. So thank you for creating that. And where can people find you so they can buy your decks and sign up for your class? 
Um, well, the decks are available at www.dust2onyx, that's D as in dog, U-S-T as in Tom, the number two, O-N-Y-X.com. And um, I have a community, it's a free community. And so um, I'll be launching the course through this community. So the course will be a paid course, but the community you will still always have access to. So people can kind of get together and talk about the sonics. And I know if like many of you trying to stay off social media too much, I created it on a platform outside of like Facebook. So, um, you know, if you, there's if you go to my Instagram, Dustonix Tarot, or um, I'm going to put a link on dustonix.com as well. I actually rem- <laughs> just remember. So if you go click on the community link in the navigation, it'll take you to where you can join the community um, and start meeting other people who have Dustonix and start, you know, sharing each other's journeys and spreads and talking. And also, of course, like as I roll out courses, you know, you'll have like pretty much first access to sign up for the course and people within that community get notified first. Wonderful. Thank you so much um, for sharing that and for again, sharing your wisdom. All right, people that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites and you can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free tarot and astrology lessons, the tarot coloring book, tarot for troubled times, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, and lots of other good things for you to scope out. Enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a beautiful day. By the way, if you enjoy this podcast, do me a favor. Get on over to iTunes and leave a kind review because that will help more tarot-curious people find their way to Tarot Bites. And as always, I like to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.